For those serious about becoming successful, consistently profitable options traders, now is the time to build skills in technical analysis, market analysis, and applied volatility to get those results. We have multiple memberships, starting with our Go membership that teaches rules-based trading and our Pro membership that teaches more subjective trading. For more information, go to lockinyoursuccess.com memberships. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Market Outlook for June 26th, 2023. Also, a special welcome to our open house members who are joining us today. And before we get going, um, I'd like to remind you the presentation is for educational purposes only. We're not broker dealers or financial advisors. We're not making any specific trade recommendations. Also, please be aware that your risk in trading options is substantial. Please make sure you are aware of all your risks prior to placing any trades. Also note that in this presentation, we're covering hypothetical computer simulated trades and the results. They would be believed to be as accurately represented as possible. Keep in mind, live results can vary from simulated results for many different reasons. So, first of all, uh, just talking about technical analysis and so forth, we can use technical analysis very effectively for things such as, uh, you know, once we, well, first of all, when we're doing our complex option strategies, we're doing our complex option spreads, it's important that we understand the spreads themselves in a non-subjective manner. In other words, as in our Go membership, we have a variety of trades. We trade those trades in the marketplace. They're high probability strategies. Over time, they're all, or historically at least, have all been winning strategies. But we're not trading or learning to trade these strategies for the purpose of blindly going out into the marketplace and hoping that they work forever into the future. That is not a good approach if you want to be consistently profitable over the long time as a trader. But it is a good way to understand the type of entry strategy you're using, the type of adjustment strategy or different types of adjustment strategies and different types of exit strategies so that once you understand those um, and you understand, you can begin to gain an understanding of, of market price movement and implied volatility movement, and then you can effectively apply those strategies depending on what's specifically happening at any given time. And through using our technical analysis uh, processes and making thoughts about what's more probable and less probable to happen in the marketplace, we can do things such as uh, avoid entries to trading strategies that are likely to draw down or that are pretty much destined to fail in the marketplace. And we can also use this to identify opportunities to, uh, for certain types of entries into the marketplace. And we can also use it uh, to create what we call control points <clears throat> that we can use as decision ladders to... Uh, you know, once we're in a position to modify how we're trading to make it less likely we're going to draw down, to make it less likely we're going to lose, or maybe even you know uh, to change our adjustment strategy or even exit the strategy and, and go into something else. So there's a lot of great ways that we can apply our, our, our technical analysis and what we see here in the market outlook. And um, I encourage everybody to 
come in and take a look at what's going on in uh, what we do here in Market Outlook and develop your own process for analyzing the marketplace and understanding market movement so that you can apply that to whatever type of strategy you're doing. So we're going to have some great examples here today. We have a couple of questions that we're going to take a look at, and then we're going to, um, at the same time, give you some lessons about technicals and how to apply them. And we'll talk about what's going on right now in the marketplace and what my thoughts are in the near future as far as what the price and implied volatility is likely to do in uh, in the near future. Okay, so let's start with just taking a look here at a couple of questions. Let me escape out of this. And uh, I have one question that was specifically for here. I have another question that we had for options trading for income. And quite frankly, it's a it's a question that's not really appropriate for options trading for income. So our options trading for income webinars or are, are within our GO membership are more designed to just go over the strategies non-subjectively and talk about benefits and drawbacks and so forth. When we start talking about trading subjectively, we have a, some more, it's a more intricate and more complicated topic. And that's why I kind of pushed this here into Market Outlook, because it shows a way of maybe effectively utilizing technical analysis as we go along. So question number one is for um, both the SPX and NDX, do you consider the 622 daily time frame candle to indicate a failed breakdown from an inverted cup pattern? So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to take a look at the SPX in isolation, and the 622 date is here. Um, one of the things that I would first say regarding that question is the assumption that we have an inverted cup pattern here. Uh, I do not personally see that. However, we're all going to see technicals in our own way. Uh, but when we are looking at what we call patterns, I would urge you to uh, only look at patterns that are blatantly obvious to a very large number of traders. Okay, so for me, I don't see this as a cup and handle pattern, but I'm going to address this as if it is a cup and handle pattern, even though I don't believe it is. If I'm looking something at something with like six or seven daily candles, um, I'm not look, really looking at patterns necessarily on a... Um, daily chart, I might want to revert back to something that is a little bit more um, appropriate for such a short time frame, and that would be maybe an hourly chart. Okay, so we can flip into an hourly chart. I'm going to talk about that in a couple of contexts. So, so what I'm going to do here is uh, talk about this first in the context that this is a inverted cup and handle pattern. So, if I was going to call this that, uh, say on this date, uh, I would consider the cup being, I'm just going to draw it in a price line. I would consider the cup being at the bottom or the open of this day here. So this would be my inverted cup. If I was going to call it that, like I said, I wouldn't necessarily do that, but we can do this in multiple contexts. So if I call this, low here, the bottom, that's 
if I call, if I take a look at my swing high, that is uh, approximately 44.50. Okay, so 43.50 to 44.50 is 100 points. My normal expectation on a cup pattern would be to come down and then have a 30% pullback. So 30% on 100 points, about 33 points. And this here, if I call this 43.50 and I call this uh, where I see, look at the basically the close of this day is 43.81. That's about 30 points. That's a normal pullback for a cut pattern if it was a bullish cut pattern. And it's a normal bounce for a bearish or an inverted cut pattern if it's an inverted cut pattern. So I would not call that a failure if I was looking that, at that as a, as a cut pattern. Um, to see this or to uh, analyze this more appropriately, I'd actually be in what we call a uh, probably an hourly time frame. So we have something different here in an hourly time frame. You can see different information playing out. So what we have in an hourly time frame is a fairly obvious what we call a head and shoulders pattern. So we have a shoulder here, we have a head here, we have a shoulder here. We have a, um, a neckline here. Okay, so shoulder, head, shoulder, confirmation of head and shoulders pattern, and then um, we're going we're gonna to have a price pattern target. So I'm going to measure it from here to here. I'm going to see what that is. I'm going to call this my breakdown point. I'm going to take whatever that measurement is. I'm going to bring it back down to here. And in the shorter term, I want to see how this ties in with other more important levels from the past. Okay, because when we start talking about uh, price patterns, we have different time frames. And our longer term time frames are more important than our shorter term time frames. But this is our head and shoulders pattern. This is our confirmation. Now, when we do that, and I think, actually, let me just look at something. Let me just look at some uh, more days here. So I want to be aware of what's going on. When we look at more days, our primary support level here, or our most evident support level, is right around here. And we would call this a zone, right? This is our most evident support level right in here. Um, if we measure from here to here, 43.50 to 44.50, that's about 100 points. If I take 100 points off 43.78, that's about 42.80. That puts us right in the center of this zone. So you can see how what we want to see is we want to see a lot of evidence um, lining up. So we have a price pattern target on a short-term um, head and shoulders pattern at 42.80, which also lines up with a central uh, center of the of the really the most relevant consolidation zone. That makes it fairly probable here that what we're going to see is we're going to see a breakdown of this price pattern, and it's going to come down in here, and it should do it in the amount of time it took the price pattern to form, which is approximately, I think, six days, right? So we have Monday to um, Tuesday. That's six days, um, I guess, not six days, but it's six trading days. Um, 
that puts us from, uh, well, actually, uh, we'll say that, we'll call that eight days, right? Eight days if you, if you take all days. So we'll, we'll call that uh, eight days from Tuesday here is going to be this Wednesday, which is here. You would expect this to play out by Wednesday, which is like right up in here. Okay, that's the length of validity of the price pattern. Now, at the same time, if you're if you're considering this a a breakdown in the marketplace, you also want to monitor that breakdown to see how it's playing out. Okay, so by that I mean is we want to take a trend line from like our head peak to our shoulder peak and then down. And ideally, if this is a strong pattern, ideally pretty much what we would want to see is we'd want to see a, a, our confirmation. We want to see a retest of <clears throat> neckline and then this to come down. And we would like to see it happen pretty much at the pace of what our downtrend line is from our head to our shoulder. And um, that's pretty much the ideal setup. So we see a breakdown of a head and shoulders pattern. We immediately set a price pattern target for down here. And if this is going to play out the way we want it to, we would like to see this basically hold this downtrend line here. You can see in this case it didn't happen. So when it doesn't happen, that kind of puts your antenna up and that says, oh, wait a minute, this isn't really breaking down as fast as it should break down. It doesn't mean it's not going to break down, but it takes the probabilities and it kind of flips them you know, if you had like a, if your opinion was, and I'm not necessarily saying this was my opinion at the time, but if your opinion is that there's like a, a like an 85, 90% chance now that we're going to be down here, um, I'm looking at this break of the trend line, I'm saying, oh, wait a minute, mm, that's not optimal. This here in, it, in itself wouldn't scare me, it would cause me to change trend lines, so I'd activate this. And now I'm putting my downtrend line at the uh, at the retest. Okay, so again, this this that it broke this initial trend line isn't that much of a concern because I had a retest and I had a, a rejection of that retest, so I like that. I had a break of the swing low, so I like that. So at this point here, I want to monitor this downtrend line, and as long as that comes into play, again, my probabilities are still very high. That probably wouldn't. I'd still probably be saying there's probably like an 85 to 90% chance this is going to happen at this point. But we break the swing low, we recapture the swing low. This is starting to break down, okay? So, my, so, so this is starting to break down. So now I'm saying, oh, wait a minute. Mm, now there's probably like a 75% chance, in my opinion, that this is going to happen. We end up breaking down here. We're holding trend line. Um, we bounce. So now we're holding, we're essentially holding a downtrend line, which is going to be our first point in monitoring for a bullish reversal here. So it's kind of deteriorating our probability of coming down here. Um, currently, we're still bearish. Okay. What you're going to want to do here is you're going to want to uh, draw or put in a new downtrend line. And again, this is a monitoring line. It's not, it's not to say that the price has to react off that, but it, it is telling me that my price is still bearish. I'm still making lower highs. 
Um, so far, I'm still making lower lows. And we're still looking at a price pattern target down here, and it's still highly probable. But I'm watching this fail. Okay? Uh, and, you know, if I break back over this trend line, this new trend line, and I retest the trend line, that is more bullishness coming into play. That is more likely that we're not going to hit this number uh, coming down into here. Okay, so so we have a price pattern, we have a confirmation, we have a target. We're monitoring the pace at which this is coming down. We're looking for reversal signals. We kind of had a bit of a reversal signal here, but but that went back to bearish. So we, we, we correct the trend line. We had a, a bullish reversal signal here. We broke this low again. We kind of want to correct the trend line and pull it out of here. This trend line is still projecting that we're likely to be down at our price pattern target at this point. As new information comes into the marketplace, that will confirm or or deny this, right? So if we kind of come out today and by the end of the day, we're at a lower low here, then uh, particularly if we break this swing low here, then this price pattern target is almost imminent at that point. And that's, that's highly in play. So in other words, I come out, we open, we close down in here. Um, very, very, that puts us back into like the 90% range that we're going to run into this level here. The short-term traders are going to bounce this level uh, unless some sort of a news event tends to override that. They're going to bounce that level and uh, we're going to go higher. In the next context, if we um, tend to bounce this and come up into back into this zone, this is a bullish reversal signal. And again, the, the head and shoulders hasn't failed until we get over this trend line here, or we break the swing high of the head. Uh, in other words, the trend line gets so far out, we break the swing line of the head, that then that's pretty much, that, pa that pattern is no longer valid. Right. It's, it, well, it's not that it's not valid, but it's not useful anymore to us. All right. So right now, this head and shoulders is still in play. It's in play even if we come up all the way up into here, although I really, really don't like the break of this um, uh, shoulder. That pretty much means that the pattern is very likely not really valid anymore. I probably don't even want to use it. I probably want to look at this more as a double top potential coming into play. Right. So we come up in here. We had a support level, we had another support level we tested, and now we're making another swing high. That kind of, it, it doesn't um, invalidate the fact that we're still in a topping uh, pattern, but that's how I would interpret that as new information comes into the marketplace. Okay, so anyway, this is what we have now. On the short term, we have head and shoulders pattern that is validated, and we have a price pattern target down here of um, 4280-ish, and that's same things in play on the NDX. Okay, so the NDX we had head and shoulders pattern, which is here. We had a confirmation of head and shoulders pattern. We had our downtrend line. We had our downtrend line violated. We can redraw this downtrend line. Uh, you can see this is stronger than the SPX. We're almost to our shoulder here. Again, if we um, break this higher, then that's a pattern failure that tends to be very bullish, and uh, and we'll play it from that direction. But right now, we have the same information coming in on the NDX as we have on the SPX. Okay, so hopefully that answers that question. Okay, that's basically how I would look at that. And again, if I was back here, and I'm looking at this as, let me just kind of remove some of the short-term stuff. 
I was looking at this as a cup pattern, which I'm not, but if I was looking at this, uh, again, I would take from here, mm, probably here, 14, we'll call it 14,790 to 15,290. That's, uh, well, we'll call it 800 to 300. That is 500 points. This bounce here, 30% of 500 points is almost 200 points. That puts us at around 15,000. So that's that's about a normal bounce in a if, it, if if we looked at this as an inverted cup pattern, which again I don't necessarily do that. Okay, so that's um, that's my thoughts on uh, across those two indexes. I'm going to take quickly look into questions, which by the way anybody can put any questions in uh, on this. So um, here's a question from. Alexander, it's just, I don't think I can actually put it on the screen, but I'll read it. Uh, I was wondering why the current IV is quite low, even if the market's been going down a lot in the last few days. Uh, for the Russell, this seems abnormal. The IV should have been going up. How do you take this into consideration with your analysis? Yeah, so it's normal for those who don't know. For if the market's going down, especially if it's going down aggressively, it would be considered normal for implied volatility to rise. Uh, if the market's going up, it would be most normal for the implied volatility to drop. There's also a rate at which you would expect. So in other words, if we're getting a very large down move, a very large fast down move, you would expect a relatively you know, normal conditions for that would be a relatively large increase in applied volatility. If we're getting a relatively slow down move um, that's not overly large, we would still expect an increase in applied volatility, but it would be uh, relatively small and to the ex in, in proportion, essentially, with the move that we're getting. And the reverse goes um, with an upside. When we're getting a down move um, and we're not getting a... Like in this index, for example, if we're getting a down move and we're not getting a proportional um, move up in implied volatility, that's just an indication that this down move was expected from the institutional traders. And it tends to be um, what we call a, just a normal pullback in the marketplace because everybody knows that the market cycles up and the market cycles down. And to some extent, when we get overextended, the cycle down is expected. And if the cycle down is expected, then uh, the institutional traders, I mean, you can kind of make a um, assumption that the institutional traders are seeing this as a normal pullback. And um, that tends to be bullish, right? So we're just experiencing a normal pullback here. Uh, the institutional traders are, are pretty much expecting it, or they may even be causing it or creating it. Um, and that would imply or would lead me to um, say the probabilities of any sort of major or significant support levels likely to hold and the market's likely to bounce that level. And with the Russell here, you can see that we're coming into a support zone and uh, we're likely to see a bounce off of that. In other words, implied volatility is, 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 um, telling us that the traders or the institutional traders are not concerned about this down move really at all, okay? And again, that tends to be bullish and increases probabilities that support levels are going to hold.
on, on, on the charts here. Okay. Speaking of the Russell, I'm just going to go into our next question here, which is, and I understand that some of you understand our, you know, what we, some of you may know what our trading strategies are. Some of you may not know them or understand them. So I'm going to just going to talk about that a little bit too. So from the first of June to the 8th of June, in five trading days, Russell jumped from uh, 1749 to 1888. That is a gain of around 140 points. If you were not trading the bearish butterfly strictly by the guidelines, in other words, um, in other words, you were trading it subjectively. You would have traded it different. Would you have traded it differently moving forward? If yes, at what date would you have made adjustments, and how would you have traded differently from this point? So this is. I this I move this to the market outlook because this is a good um, question about application of technicals and how we can avoid maybe being in a trade that we shouldn't be in in the first place, or if we were in the trade, how we could modify that strategy to deal with what's going on technically in the marketplace. So one of the things about this is understanding um, what's likely to happen in the marketplace. So we're talking, uh, the first date he said was, was June 1st. Well, first of all, by this time here, if we are constantly monitoring what's going on from a technical situation in the marketplace, we already know, we already know what's happening here, and we already have our thoughts on where the market is likely to go by June 1st. And realistically, at this date, my thoughts on the Russell was the Russell was actually going to come up maybe even a little bit higher than it did. Okay, That being the case, I wouldn't necessarily have entered a bearish butterfly here. Now, how do I know that? Or the probabilities that the market's going to come up here? Well, first of all, I just want to share this document with with some of you who are new, and this is a document that I put into place. Um, if you look at the date here on 6-4, meaning that I knew this was happening like the week before what's going on. We have uh, the NDX, it's in a bre active breakout. We have price expectations on the NDX on what it's going to do. We have speed comparisons on the other indexes that tell us where we think the other indexes are going. We already thought the uh, SPX index was going to break this swing high based on what the NDX was doing. And we al also thought that the Russell was going to break its range and run up into uh, actually higher than it actually um, went, which was not up here, but we're talking about our shorter term retracement level was we had we had outlined here. Again, this is uh, based solely on NDX. We actually take in a lot of other things into consideration. But one of the things what we do is we do cross index analysis. In other words, the um, the indexes, the way they trade, they they relate to one another or they correlate to one another. So, one of the things that's happening here is our NASDAQ is our leader index at in the time frame that we're dealing with. And back here on June 2nd, or June 1st, the, the index is up here. So I'm just going to switch over to a weekly here. So what's happening with the NASDAQ is that we have an active breakout going on. 
as of this week here. So uh, 5, 522, we have an active breakout on the weekly on the NASDAQ. And I've already set in a price pattern target of the swing high on the NASDAQ. And that's going to be a certain number of points. And that certain number of points, um, typically the NASDAQ travels at a, cer- at, a, at a certain speed. The SPX travels at a certain speed compared to that. And the Russell travels at a certain speed. By that, I mean point for point on average with the uh, SPX. So we can take those numbers and we can estimate, you know, the NDX is here. It's very likely going here. It's the leader. The other indexes are going to tend to key off of that number. That means, you know, in other words, 400 points for the NDX means approximately um, 100 points for the SPX, which is approximately 50 points for the Russell. So we know those are the normal speed comparisons that we run into, and we can make projections on where um, where they're likely to go and how they key in with the other levels. Okay, so at this point here, from as early as, say, 525, 526, we see an active breakout in the NDX with a price pattern target up in here. That's going to have implications for the other indexes. We want to watch those other indexes for confirmation to see if they're going higher, right? So I have... Um, my SPX here on that date, and I just made this clean. Let me just clean all these drawings off. Uh, drawing set. On that date, my SPX on that date has not broken, really actively broken swing high here. But on the first, um, by the time the second comes along, the SPX is breaking levels, right? So. We had the swing high that we're flirting with, and we had a cup and handle. This is a little cup and handle pattern that we had a breakout on on the SPX. So in other words, the SPX is confirming what the NDX is telling me. So I'm looking at the NDX breakout. If that NDX breakout fails, I can use that as some sort of a control point uh, without the SPX t- confirming out. Okay, that, then that invalidates my thesis. Right, but by knowing or understanding what the market should be doing, this day here on six two essentially confirms my um, my upside targets on the SPX on where I think that's going, and then on the Russell, we also have the same situation here where we had a, the Russell in a sideways range for a while, and on six two that confirms a breakout of that range. So in the context of the Russell, if I'm looking at this in isolation, I'm measuring from here to here. I'm setting a price pattern target up in here. Okay? And what drawing am I on here? So I did this last night. Let me let me just clear this for a second. Um, so on the Russell, basically what we have is we have a price level here, and we'll actually, let me show you something else kind of neat. We want to understand what the closing prices are doing. So I can change my chart to like an area chart, and I can see pretty, pretty clearly where um, where my general price level is, where I'm reacting negatively off of the, um, negatively 
what level we're doing from a closed standpoint. Helps me reduce some of the noise. I can see patterns more clearly here. See how clear this head and shoulders pattern is right here? You can see that very, very clearly in uh, in this pattern. You can also see the head and shoulders pattern very clearly in the area chart. Um, you can see the reversal patterns as well come into play, and we can see this pattern very well. And if we do this here, and we do the depth of the pattern, then we take a look at this, and this gives us a price pattern target of the Russell up here at around uh, 1885, 1890-ish. Then I have to go back to my candle chart, I can take my shadows into consideration a little bit more, right? So I might do the same central point, but I'm going to go here. That gives us, uh, whoops, I'm going to go here. That gives us, uh, that's not exact, but this is, this is close enough. That gives us a zone of support. That gives us a price pattern target zone up in here. My expectation is if I trade or close, close over this area, my expectation is immediately that we're coming up into this area. Okay, so let's flip this back into the trading strategy. If I have a trading strategy where I have a, a bearish butterfly on and I'm one-third entered and I'm here on the first, what do I know? First of all, what do I know about the trading strategy if, I, if, I, if I'm really understanding these trades, right? So a lot of people look at these uh, income trades and they say, well, you know, uh, in the past, um, if we use these rules, the trade never lost, okay, uh, or rarely ever lost or whatever. And therefore, in the future, no matter what happens in the marketplace, they're going to win most of the time. That is a very um, naive view of trading. Um, just because something happened a certain way in the past does not have any thing to do necessarily with, with what's going to happen with that rule set in the future, uh, especially if you did it and modified it through backtesting, in which case if you're modifying a rule set through backtesting, you're doing nothing but form-fitting the strategy to what we call the luck of the past, and it doesn't correct the strategy, it doesn't do anything. All it does is it covers up you losing scenarios, which is not something that you want to do with a strategy. I mean, you don't want to trade that way. That's, that's trading what we call trading with ignorance is trading blind, right? So um, what's more appropriate is understanding what the strengths and weaknesses and problems with the strategy or where the strategy is going to lose. If you understand that very well, and then you understand the context of the marketplace, you can kind of match your strategy up with what's going on or avoid certain things that are going on. Okay, so I'm here in this positioning here. I'm in a bearish butterfly. I know a bearish butterfly is a problem if the market goes up. Right? That's not if it goes up too much too fast. That's not the case with an M3.4U. If I was in a bullish vertical, I wouldn't be worried about it. This is doing nothing but confirming that the trading strategy is probably going to work out okay. Okay, But if I'm in a bearish butterfly, that's a different story. I'm in a bearish butterfly here, meaning my short strikes are probably down somewhere in the 750, 740 level, and I get a bullish breakout. Um, I can Once I get this day here, I can pretty much say that the probability of the market hitting here is very, very high. Um, and I can go back and I can say, well, what does that mean for my strategy? That means um, that you know, if I'm in the 750s, I, I have my control points and everything. I know exactly what position I'm going to be in in my bearish butterfly if the market goes up here. Right? I should know my strategy that well. And I should know that if the market goes up here, my bearish butterfly is now vulnerable to a down move. Okay, so normal market movement here is for us to come up into here 
and then to, to pull back again. My bearish butterfly, that is not going to be a good scenario. If I understand the bearish butterfly trade, that is not going to be a good scenario for the bearish butterfly trade. Okay, so if I'm being subjective, I'm modifying that. Again, this day here, so here I'm in one-third of a position. This day here, I, I'm in an active breakout with a price pattern target here. Um, I know that's, and then I'm likely to get a pullback off of that. I know that's not a good scenario for for what's happening. So the last thing I want to do at this point is scale into three thirds and then follow the market up to the top and then get hammered to the downside and reverses. Right? That's almost a. Um, if you understand the marketplace, that's a no brainer. I don't want to do that. What I want to do instead is one of two things. If I want to stay within the context of the bearish butterfly, let's pretend that's the only trade I know. Um, if I want to stay within the context of the bearish butterfly, knowing that I either want to do nothing and let the market top out, right? meaning I'm going to take a pretty much total loss on one-third of my position, which isn't the worst-case scenario, by the way. right? Um, but realistically, as this trader, I always want to think about where, where do I want to be where do I want to be when uh, how, how do I want to, want to be positioned in the future when the when the price acts the way that it should act? And really what I want to be is I want to be positioned with the meat of my bearish butterfly right into here. So the way I would do that is I would either exit my one-third position here and then wait and then re-enter with the meat of my position in this range. So I come in here, uh, I'm in one-third, and you know, I don't necessarily think an entry at this point is is terrible. The, the if I'm looking at this in isolation, the asset price has been in a range, and if I enter here and I get three thirds scaled in here and I hold range, that's actually a pretty good trade, right? So so that in itself is the entry isn't necessarily an issue here. Um, although I would be questionable with that entry given what the NDX is doing because that NDX breakout actually gave me a price pattern number way up in this range here of around uh, 1960, right? So I was actually maybe expecting a higher move. Um, that changed as this information came in. If you look at past market outlooks, that has changed, but that is our expectation. Again, given that expectation, I would want to either hold my initial position and just let that pretty much get crushed then reposition up here with short strikes maybe at like 1830, 1850, 1870. That's where I kind of want the meat of my position. Um, hold position on the pullback, and then uh, if we, the market bounces from there, you can make adjust, up adjustments at that point. If you do that, that bearish butterfly trade, the drawdown is really not that bad because one-third of a position, I think my maximum drawdown was like like 500 Dollars or something, or maybe, or maybe it was with a ten lot was maybe five thousand dollars, but only a third uh, drawdown. If I exited here early, my drawdown would probably be much less than that, maybe in the thousand dollar range. I come in here, and now I'm in a triple butterfly in the meat of the position, and I kind of hold through the pullback. So if you can picture that, if you know bearish butterfly, that's how you trade that. You go, oh, wait a minute. Uh, I'm in a bearish butterfly. If you're in a bearish butterfly and you have this technical situation, it's because you think this level is going to hold. Oh, wait a minute. If this level broke, it means we're going here. And we're going to, uh, when we retest, we're going to come back down into here. So you know you want to play this range. So you kind of wait, wait, wait. You get up into here. Okay, I answer three-thirds of the position under the market. I hold out 
uh, particularly with the, what the NDX is doing at the same time, right? The NDX is coming into our level. You know, with a very, very high certainty level here, when the NDX is at this level, it's going to stop going up. It doesn't mean it's going to go down a significant amount, but it's going to stop going up. Uh, but it's most likely going to come down at least into here, which is um, which is that level. Again, you can correlate that back with what the Russell's doing as far as point movement, speed, and so forth. But basically, the Russell's going to pull back off of the level, whatever level it's at. If it's at, uh, you know, whatever important level the Russell's at, when the NDX hits this important level and pulls back, you know the Russell's going with it. And that is the case here. We hit this level. This actually happened to be an important level that we had drawn out for a long time. It's also a price pattern target. It makes perfect sense um, that the Russell is going to pull back with the NDX here, and boom, it does. Okay, so that's how that all comes into line, and that's how you would correlate that with what's going on in um, uh, with your position, right? How you would apply, uh, apply that appropriately if you happen to be in a bearish position here. Um, that is, this is the end. Right. Uh, also, if I'm in a bullish position uh, that maybe doesn't have a price, a um, profit target number, I might want to, I might want to exit the bullish position when I'm up in here because the NDX is coming down and the Russell's coming down with it. Right. So that's going to be my maximum profit level, particularly if I'm close to, um, you know, an exit on that. Okay. And then we also have a price pattern in here that that kind of came into play right in here which is telling us the Russell should um, bottom at, uh, right? So we had a, so we came up here, we had a topping pattern. Whatever this pattern is, doesn't matter. Head and shoulders pattern, double top, triple top, whatever the hell it is, it doesn't really matter. Um, but we have a support level, we have a resistance level, we have a breakdown of that level, we have a target down in here. Pretty much lines up with our 200-day moving average, pretty much lines up with our highs here. That makes this going to be, the reversal zone in uh, in the rut. So we want to watch that. Uh, we also talked about, somebody already asked a question about implied volatility, talking about how implied volatility, hey, it's not going up when the market's going down. Oh, wait a minute, this is expected. Uh, it makes it fairly probable that the support level is probably going to hold. That can change relatively quickly when things come into play, depending on what the other assets are doing. But... Um, it, it's pretty. It's pretty likely that's going to hold. Okay, so that's what we have in the past. And a question here: with the expectation that rut will bounce from the support zone, how would you measure the possible bounce targets, the upcoming bounce? Um, I would look for the leaders for that. So um, this is likely to come down into here. It's likely to bounce. The size of that bounce is going to be very related to what happens, or whether or whether it's going to bounce at all, is very related to what's going on here, right? So um, if NDX runs up, right? So let's say so the NDX pullback, the depth of this pullback is going to determine how high it's going to go later. So let's say this is the bottom of the pullback. I can set a price pattern target. And on NDX, and I'm focusing on NDX because it's our leader right now. Um, I can set a price pattern target depth, and I can say, you know, if NDX turns here and it breaks higher, then it's likely to go to 15.7. And I can see where the Russell is at the point which this happens, and then I can make the determination on how high the Russell's likely to go or not likely to go. Okay, and 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 we would do that cross index, and and again, this 
gets into too big of a lesson for the next 10 minutes because I actually have to get on to our next webinar. Um, and then I actually like entering one third closer. Okay, I think this is just in relation to um, the bearish butterfly. I actually like entering one third closer to the top with a shorter time, like 30 days. If you get the pullback, you basically hit profit target six or seven days. Right, so you can set up, and that's that's using technical analysis to enter opportunistically. Okay, so if you were up into here and you were expecting the market to come down, you can enter a bearish butterfly one-third close to expiration, gives you a higher gamma, you get a pullback in the marketplace, and then uh, next thing you know, you're up a bunch of money right off and you have an easy trade. If you get this breakout, then that was a, uh, your thesis has essentially failed. You exit the position, you try that again up in here. And you do the same thing over again. Okay, so that is um, that's a good thought there. So I have to really get moving here. So I'm just going to talk quickly about SPX. Uh, I'm going to go back to my standard drawing set here. SPX. These are the monitors that we're watching on the thing. But our most likely and most probable move on the SPX is that it's coming down into here at around 42.80. That's what I have for a target. Um, I'm going to watch this to see if things change. But we had that head and shoulders price pattern target. That's 42, uh, 4280-ish. We have this center of this consolidation zone. That's 4280-ish. We have the 20 moving average is a little bit higher. We do have support levels a little bit higher. We do have a horizontal support here, which we may bounce. So we're going to want to watch that. So in other words, it wouldn't be too abnormal for us to bounce this level and, and, and play here for a little bit and then break down to this level. Um, but we're watching things as they go along. Right now, things are a little bit uncertain because we have a, uh, like I said, we have a head and shoulders breakdown that's putting our putting our price down in here. But that sh head and shoulders pattern is uh, our downtrend line continuously fails. So as of right now, this is still in play, and this is still the most likely place at which we go. Uh, but that can change as things go along. Um, we're talking about, which is why we want to monitor this again. Um, we have a new downtrend line that we want to place in here. See a failure here, that makes this less likely. We we run another draw trend line. We see a failure of that, that makes this less likely. We break over our neckline, this is gone for now. Right, it may come back into play later, but this is no longer in play. Okay, so that's how basically how that goes. We're still favoring a down move here. We're still downtrending with the information we currently have. As new information comes into the marketplace, that may change. Same thing goes into play with the uh, NDX. The NDX head and shoulder pattern will probably fail first. And again, if you see that failure in the NDX, then it's fairly likely you're going to see the failure in the SPX, and that's going to again bring us into more and more likelihood. Where's the NDX likely to go? Right in here, right? So we have this this uh, this area here is where the NDX really should be with this pullback. And if it's likely to bounce, this is probably the area it is most likely to bounce in. Um, in the short term, we'll see how that correlates in with the dailies, right? That comes in with these swing highs, okay? So this would be a bullish bounce. Uh, down into here, and then if we have that bounce, that's going to set a price pattern target for where that's likely to go. If it reverses early, that's actually not a healthy bounce, and, um, and it goes higher without a little bit more depth or a little bit more time sideways. That's kind of gets a little bit unhealthy there. 
and um, I wouldn't expect as high of a move off of that. Okay, implied volatility we talked about is, is bullish, right? Implied volatility is, is, is low with the down move. So that, again, that favors maybe we don't go down this low. And then um, the Dow has been telling us the same thing as everything else. The Dow has met our expectations. We have our primary downtrend line on our long terms where the Dow has come into, oh, actually, no. I guess I redrew that line, so that would not be true. But we have our um, previous swing high. So here's previous swing high on the Dow. Just like we had previous swing high on the NDX, we came into that. I probably redrew, redrew downtrend line. So you can see, like on the weekly Russell, on the weekly Dow, you can see our downtrend line. You can see the break of our downtrend line. That should hold us support on our reversal, right? It held us support. It held us support. Markets reversing in the longer term, reversing in the longer term. You can see that coming into play. Then we have our uptrend monitor, which is here. Okay, so we have a trend line uptrend monitor. You can see this is pretty much correlates with the swing low. Uh, we want to see if we if we're bullish, we want to see that hold, which that held, and then we bounce again. So now here's my new downtrend monitor. Here's my new uptrend monitor. Uh, we're kind of in what we call a chop zone here. We're short-term price movement's a little bit unpredictable. Um, if I'm bullish, I want to see this uptrend line hold. I want to see this downtrend line fail. And again, in correlation with the swing high, and then that's going to give us price pattern targets, probably of all-time highs on um, the Dow. That's usually how that plays out. Okay. And then if we go into the Russell, we have the same thing on the Russell. The Russell's been the weak index, as most of us know. We have the same thing basically playing out here where we're in a sideways zone. This is the top. Depending on how the SPX and the NDX line up with our important companion levels, it's going to tell us where the Russell's going to go. It's kind of hard to tell at this point. But um, we're likely to hold this level. By the way, um, this is coming into its level a little fast. Which means if, um, right, the way this is going to correlate out, the NDX is kind of holding high. We call holding high. It's high compared to its level. The SPX is high to its level. That starts to increase the probability that if the SPX and the NDX make their price pattern target, that this is probably going to pull, pull down and actually break this level. Okay, so that probabilities, you can see those probabilities coming higher. So this could work out one or two ways. Um, this bounces and brings up the other levels with us, and we retest the highs on that index, okay? Uh, or the other indexes come down into their levels, and this is this breaks support. So this is this is becoming a little bit questionable on whether that's going to hold, right? So the probabilities are, are starting to drop a little bit on that, but uh, we'll see. I do think it probably is. I still favor this holding and that we bounce, and I also favor the other. Um, assets not hitting their price pattern targets off the head and shoulders pattern. I think we're going to go more sideways and into chop. Uh, but again, that's um, that's my thoughts on that. And then, of course, we have our VIX levels here, which uh, we did get a bit of a jump in the VIX in the um, SPX, which we, we would maybe expect with the market moving down. And then the RVX, we probably got... Um, Maybe a bit of bounce there, but we're still at very, very low implied volatility levels. 
This base implied volatility level, by the way, in my opinion, is relatively useless. It's of the options 30 days out, and um, it doesn't really tell you much about a broken wing butterfly position. What tells you a lot more about that is going to be a um, is going to be uh, our our term structure, which is in here. You can go to historical prices. Can come into like last Friday, for example, and we can get our prices. And you know that we're 10% into Contango. We're at about 15 point, uh, about 16 implied volatility, and about um, 17 here. And then if you go into the week before, you can kind of see how they've changed. You can overlay these if you want to. I like to look at them independently sometimes. Uh, but if I go into the 16th here. This is invalid because it's expired, but we're at 1648 and we're 8% into Contango and 1740 uh, from week to week, or, or this should be dropping. So we should have a certain amount of drop in this if we're bullish, and this should be going more into Contango if we're bullish. So let's look at this one, 1648 to 1595. It dropped even though the market's going down, so that tends to be bullish from an implied volatility standpoint. We are in 10% contango now from about 8.27. So again, that's that's normal for a complete, what we will call a complacent market that's not overly concerned about the market going down. Uh, so implied volatility here is um, certainly more bullish than bearish. Again, that that lends to the probabilities the Rutzel's going to bounce that level. It lends to the probabilities we might not hit our price banner targets on our head and shoulders pattern, which appears, appears to be um, failing, which makes it weaker. Okay, so that's what we have. And again, watch as new information comes into the marketplace. I wouldn't expect, um, like I said, too much of a down move off of this. I hope you get some really bad news somewhere uh, that, that happens. Okay, so thanks everyone, and uh, have a great week trading. Hope you enjoyed.